Hello, and welcome to The Purpose. I'm Bill Brunson. And I'm Kip McClurg. And today we'll be looking at a reading from Romans 5. We'll start with the first verse. We remember that the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the church in Rome while he was living in Corinth. And so Paul is writing chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, today we're going to be talking about the, well, something that really happens to all of us, and, and Paul talks about it here in, in this letter. He talks about suffering, and how he says there's a process that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope but it starts unfortunately with suffering as i was thinking about this one one illustration or one idea came to mind and that is uh the one of the stories or one of the parts of the tour de france and maybe you are a really big uh, cyclist and you ride all the time. Uh, I know this will shock you if you've ever seen me. Uh, that's not what I do. Um, I don't ride bicycles or even stationary bicycles. Um, I can drive a car. Uh, and so I don't really feel like I need to ride a bike. But and, and you have electric windows on the car too. I do have electric windows. Yeah. So if I want to feel the breeze in my hair, what's left of it, I can roll down the windows and just go as fast as but I want. But you don't to. have to use any muscles and no turning hand there. cranks on no, the none wind- of that. no, none of that. Well, the Tour de France actually began back in 1903, and and except for a couple of times, you know, like when world wars were raging in France, um, they actually have kept this going year after year. 21 stages over 23 days. And what I find fascinating with it is there are little prizes along the way in that you get these little jerseys that you get to wear. Um, At one point, the leader... Whoever's leading in points, based off of all of these stages, whoever's leading in points gets a yellow jersey. And so you get that, and you're fighting so that you can keep it going forward and all that kind of thing. And there's a sprinter jersey, and that's uh, for another day. And uh, the best uh, young rider who is 26 years old or under, um, they get a white jersey. But my favorite jersey that people get, is the polka dot jersey it's a white jersey with big red polka dots on it and it's called the climbers jersey and the one who gets that is the one who is winning the compilation of the mountain climbs because certainly along the way there are going to be some really tough climbs and the one who climbs the best gets the one gets the polka dot jersey and I think about that, that 
probably every one of us, well, every so often there are mountains to climb. And some of us do it really well, and some of us struggle to get up that hill. I really wish that there was some kind of a jersey or some kind of a, a prize we would get as uh, when we have climbed one of those mountains, when we've gone through, as Paul would say, one of those times of suffering, that we would actually have that opportunity to win the prize and get the and get the uh, uh, and, and and get the jersey. You know, I know that the the phrase that Paul uses a couple of times he he talks about boasting twice. The second time he talks about boasting in suffering, and I'll say that the word that's used there is different than the word that's used for the first boast, because the word that's used for the second boast we boast in suffering. Um, sometimes that Greek word that Paul would have used, the Greek word is translated boast. And sometimes it's translated rejoice, and sometimes, well, the old King James Version translated it, I glory in my suffering. But the boast that's used here, rather than being translated anything like rejoicing or glorying, the word that's used here literally means, I hold my head up. It comes from a word that means a strong neck that holds one's head. I like that better than rejoicing or glorying in in our suffering. Because I think it says a lot about us when we're able to hold our head up through suffering. Yeah, when you started using the word boast, it kind of reminded me of of kind of what we do on social media where we want to show the good side and the you know we're always winning when the good moments the best moments but uh, but Paul's getting here to the hard moments and those are the ones that we typically don't show on social media uh, and, and I'm not advocating social media one way or the other with this but there is a certain amount of, of character building when you get to the point that you can deal with suffering and it, yes, it affects you, but you realize it's not the end all of, of the game. It's a chapter in life. And one day that chapter is, is hopefully going to change to something different. But until then, I'm going to hold my head strong, and I'm going to trust in God, and I'm going to believe that God is going to work through all of this to build me into something stronger that I could have never built myself. Yeah, I mean... I know that you like the story about the uh, the couple that's traveling from the north down into the south, and they go eat breakfast. Do you want to tell it? You want me to tell it? Well, yeah. The, the uh, professor of mine told it. Uh, he had never. Uh, he had a friend that came down to visit, and um, they ordered breakfast. And when they brought the breakfast out, they. It was kind of the old traditional southern breakfast, and, and they had a bowl of grits. And the man had never seen a grit before. And he looked at the professor and said, what, what is this? And he said, um, well, it's, uh, it's grits. He said, I, I never ordered grits. And the, the man replied, well, grits are kind of like grace. You, you get them whether you order them or not. 
and uh, so it's a, it's a beautiful example of what God's grace is all about. It is, it is, and you can apply that to a lot of things. I mean, grits are like grace. We get God's grace where when we didn't really order it. In a way, grits are sort of like hard times that come in life. We don't order hard times. They just come. And they don't come at good times either. No. And they come in bunches sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like sometimes it's a little bit like uh, we could. I could do the whole circle back to the uh, Tour de France. It's like the the downhill portions where, you know, everything's going downhill and it is picking up speed. Sometimes it seems like those hard times and the suffering, well, they seem to pick up speed and they're, they're, they're coming at us quicker than we thought they should or ever would want them to. And it feels like you're on that bike doing – 30 miles an hour down a hill but you don't see the gravel up ahead Mm -hmm. and suddenly find yourself not going 30 miles an hour down a hill but life is that way and and paul recognized that and i think we've all known people who uh have experienced the first time we experienced that kind of really life-altering um challenge it really it's it's hard because we don't know how to deal with it there's a lot of questions about why god would let this happen to me why why me lord um you know why can't god fix this and the challenges in my early life those are the questions that i asked but as i i got older and a little bit more mature i, I was always kind of inspired by the the story of jacob wrestling um wrestling with uh with the angel with with god how are that that is interpreted and um at the end he changes jacob's name to israel and if you remember the thigh muscle gets pulled out of joint and all and, and and he says i'm changing your name from jacob to israel which which jacob meant the hill grabber or the the one who was always uh sort of uh sneaky to one who struggles with God. And it just amazed me that the higher meaning, the higher purpose, the higher uh, spiritual virtue that Jacob uh, experienced when he became Israel wasn't that life was easy, but that he was going to struggle with life and with God uh, for, for the rest of his life. So life in many ways is struggle. To be changed by God is doesn't guarantee that we won't struggle, but it means that we probably will. But what Paul found is that struggle brings something deeper into us. It creates something stronger in us. Right. And the thing is, what Paul knew and what we know is the struggles that we face, well, we don't face them alone because we face them with God. And so we we have God with us in the midst of those moments where, where we're down in the valley or we are having to climb that mountain. We are not by ourselves in that. It's like Paul um, writes to the Corinthians. I said earlier he was in Corinth when he wrote Romans. Well, at one point he writes Uh, letters back to the corinthians and so in one of those letters he says but we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to god and does not come from us we are afflicted in every way 
but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And I I always think about that when I I think about this passage from Romans and the idea of boasting and suffering and all that. I I think about this because what what I see in what Paul is talking about, how the the suffering produces endurance and et cetera et cetera and and this idea of being struck down but you know we we are struck down but not destroyed the presence of God in our life gives us a resilience that that others may not have our faith can give us resilience in those moments that may knock us down but it gets up. I mean, we, we still get back up. I mean, resilience means that, yes, we, we do have setbacks. And sometimes it may be our own fault. And sometimes it's nobody's fault. Um, but we stay at it. We stay at it and we keep going. We keep climbing that mountain because we know that there is that mountaintop that we're going to get to eventually. And when we climb that mountain with God, this resilience that keeps us going, keeps us at it, then when we climb that mountain with God at the, at the mountaintop, we may experience God in a new way like we've never done before. You know, there was a medieval um, theologian by the name of St. John of the Cross, and he was uh, wrote a book called The Cloud of Unknowing, which – to me, it's just a beautiful image of how we go through these moments in life. We go through these adversities, and we, we're in this cloud of not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing where God is, not knowing what the future holds. And often people associate uh, the, the, the idea of a dark night of the soul with depression, but it, it's really this, this moment of unknowing of, of fear but of also eventually finding peace because once you've been through one of these dark nights and you've trusted God and God has gotten you through then the next time when you know that you fall off that bike uh coming down that mountain you know it's not the first time and that God's been faithful in the past and he's going to be faithful again in the future and so in my experience as I've grown more mature, I've gotten older, and have been through multiple moments where you know life was had adversity, I've not worried as much because I've known how God has worked in the past, and often coming out of those moments, I've it has made me stronger, much stronger than I ever thought I would be, because God was doing something in me in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that difficulty. Right, absolutely. And I think, you know, as I keep going back to this, um, the Tour de France, and granted, it's not even Tour de France season. Um, and I, as I said, I ride no bicycle, but I am fascinated by a lot of their traditions. And stage 21 is a, pretty much a ceremonial stage. The yellow jersey team, the person that's wearing the yellow jersey, their team, um, they come into town, into Paris, and they ride three times around the Champs-Élysées, 
which means the Elysian Fields, which is the Greek definition of paradise. And so for them, the idea is that paradise is at the end of the race. And, of course, we know that when we're climbing all of our mountains and going through our adversities, that, well, that God has promised that one day God will put things back together again. And the that which is unjust will be made right. That which is broken will be healed. Uh, you know, we we have that hope of of what God is going to do on that day. And so Paul says at another point, he says, "Your work is not in vain. Uh, we have hope in sharing in the glory of God." And so that that's that idea that in our life we are riding we're riding in this race of life because paul loved a good race image and running image and all that we're we're going through this and there are ups and there are downs and there's hills and there's valleys and there's mountains and gorges and everything else um that comes at us but god is with us and God is trying to get us all to that place where we are with him. You know, into that, you go all the way over into, uh, you go all the way over into Revelation where, um, it, where we're the, uh, John and, and the vision of Christ talking to John. We get that image of the new Jerusalem coming down and suddenly, God's coming to dwell with people and wiping away all the tears and death will be no more and mourning and crying and pain will be no more. All those things have passed away. And he said, see, I'm, I'm making all things new. And so there is a hope that we get in the midst of the, of, well, the sufferings that come suffering does when we stick with it, when we hold our head up and stick with it, and we trust that God is with us, that God who has been faithful in the past will be faithful in the present and will be faithful to lead us into the future, when we do that, then we see what Paul was talking about when he says that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope in God will not disappoint us you know it sometimes is it's hard to know what to do until you get to that point as you're fighting through it and and like you say in the back of your mind you know that that's the end that god is ultimately in control but i i love the words uh that isaiah has in 40 and it sort of gives us instruction giving instruction to israel of what to do when you're you're in that spot where you know that God's there, but but it's hard to see. And so if you go to forty twenty seven, he says, "Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth?" He will not grow tired nor weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak, and the youths grow tired and weary, and the young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar like eagles. 
and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. And so until those days that we can see clearly that that this part of life is, is coming to an end, we have this hope that we just wait on God, and in God's time, God will make thing, all things clear. So this week, think about your own life and what struggles you may be facing. As we said, sufferings are, are like grits. They, they show up whether we want them to or not. We don't really order them. They're just there. So where in your life are you dealing with something? Uh, maybe, you would, maybe you haven't termed it suf- suffering, but where are you dealing with something that's harder than, than you really want it to be or you're facing something that's a struggle that you don't want to face? How can, you, how can you grow and learn from that? What are, the, what are the ways that God can teach you and expand, you, expand your thought process and your heart through that, through that time that you're facing? And remember, grace is sort of like grits. We don't, really, we don't really order it, but God's grace is always there. So whatever you're facing, just remember, you're not alone that the grace of God is with you and the God and, and God will be with you as you ride up that mountain and God will be with you as, as, as you face whatever that may be. God's grace is always there. So I hope that, I hope that you'll think about those words from the apostle Paul and remember that we hold our head up. We can hold our head up through our suffering and that's a, that's a good thing to hold our head up through our suffering because suffering produces endurance and and endurance well endurance produces character and character produces hope and always remember truly never forget that hope will never disappoint us because God's love is with us now and always Well, I hope you'll tune in and and join us again on The Purpose next week. Thank you so much. God bless.